If you have your Bibles, if you turn to the book of John, I'm kind of going to do tonight what I did a couple nights or a couple services ago. Um, we're going to read the same story, but we're going to break it up into two different books. So we're going to start in the book of John, and we're going to end in the book of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, if you turn to John chapter 18, verse 15, say amen when you're there. If you're not there, just look at the screen. It's right there. But I'll give you a minute to turn in your Bibles because I'd like you to use your Bible as well. John 18, verse 15. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside the door, so the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. And the servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this are, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. And now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire, because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves, and Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. And he turned to Luke twenty two. Luke twenty two, verse fifty eight. Give you a minute to turn there. Luke twenty-two fifty-eight. So we're just picking up right where we left off in John. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, "You also are one of them." But Peter said, "Man, I am not." And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, "Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean." But Peter said, "Man." I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Bishop, will you pray over this service? Amen, and you may be seated. I'm impressed, Brother Ray knew sign language. Thank you, my friend. I'd come to you with this gout. So all of you thinking your, your pastors appear like a hillbilly in socks. Hillbilly, redneck whatever term we want to go with. I can afford shoes. The Lord has given me two jobs. I can afford them. They just don't fit right now. My foot is swollen up like a watermelon, and I don't know how to get rid of it. I've been praying, and the Lord just, you know, so far His grace is sufficient for me. Anytime you're ready, Lord, I, I'm ready. So I want to talk a little bit. I didn't really have a title, but I made one up. One look, one memory. It really has nothing to do with anything. I don't know. Maybe God will speak to you about it. I just like to put a title on these because we put them online. 
But I want to teach about this story a little bit, what God has spoken to me. And I was telling my wife, and, and the Lord really, really dealt with me this week about this story that's in the Bible. And so my understanding of, of this story, I guess I've never really looked as closely as recently to how these events have played out. And when God began to open my mind and understanding, and I began to see through the lens as close and as best as I possibly could of the way it, it went down, um, God began to deal with me a little bit. And so I want to teach this church, hopefully something today in the Holy Ghost. So the Lord is having the Last Supper, and he's got his disciples there. And Judas is about to betray him, and he's sitting down, and he begins to tell the disciples. And before the portion in Luke we read, I want to read what the Lord tells, because this is going to set a mindset within Peter. And he said to them, when I sent you out with no money bag or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? And they said, we lack nothing. And he said to them, but now let the one who has the money bag take it, and likewise a knapsack, and let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me, that he was numbered with the transgressors, for what is written about me has its fulfillment. And they said, look, Lord, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Now this is at the Last Supper that God is telling them. Because you remember the story where God sent them out two by two to all cities, and they said, if a city receives you, then teach them the gospel. If a city does not receive you, shake off the dust of the sandals, right? He said, you didn't take money, and you didn't take a change of clothes. Remember that? And they said, yeah, we remember that. And he said, were you in need of anything? And they said, no. And he said, but I tell you, times are changing. And now you're to take a money bag, meaning you're to have some money on you in preparation. But more so, God begins to change the mindset here on something Peter is unfamiliar with. Because God has always been teaching them in the Beatitudes. Hey, blessed is he who is mercy, because he's the salt of the earth. And he begins to tell him, he says, if you're punched in one eye, turn the other eye. He says, love your enemies and love your neighbors. He's been Mr. Peace. He spoke to the sea, peace be still. He's been Mr. Healer. He's been Mr. Raise the Dead, told Lazarus to come forth. God's ministry has been peace, love, kindness, and that's all they've seen. But now God is telling the disciples, he said, you need to take up swords. That's a shift that they're not used to hearing coming from God. And so the disciples look around the room and they find two literal swords. And they take the swords and they have swords on them. Well, what do you use a sword for? Protection, war, a fight, a physical fight, right? Not a spiritual fight. This is a physical altercation that God is saying you now need to be prepared for. Now, Peter, I don't know what you think of him, but Peter's not a coward, and he's not effeminate. He's not a sissy. He's a man. He was a fisherman, used to out getting dirty and working. He was rough and tough. He had crude language. He had an attitude. And he did not have the Holy Ghost at this point. And this man of the earth that was rough and tough and wasn't afraid to eat with his hands still dirty, he wasn't afraid to, to 
go out there and, and handle fish, he could bait a hook. He wasn't afraid of it. And all of a sudden, he's told to take up arms. So his mindset is a war is coming. And then he goes through the, the Last Supper with Jesus. When the Last Supper concludes, the Lord gets up and he goes over to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he wants to kneel down and he begins to pray. And he tells the disciples to stay over there and he was going to go off by himself. And he, the, Now we're in the middle of the night. They've already had dinner. Now we're in the night hours. And God is praying. And this is where God prays so intensely that his sweat turns to blood. It, it, it's a, a very hollow moment. A very sacred moment. A very serious moment. And the disciples are over there sleeping. Now they've got their swords on them. Right? They're preparing for war. God has been telling them, I'm about to be betrayed. I'm about to go to the cross. I'm, there's, a, there's a shift coming. You need to now take up arms. And so in their mindset, they're preparing for a tragedy, for a disaster, for a fight to come against them. And they're sleeping, and God comes, and he says, can't you, can't you stay awake a little bit longer? Because the hour's drawing near, and as, as, as they're talking, here comes the high priest and his soldiers and Judas. And they come up to Jesus, and Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. You know the story. So Peter's got the sword that he took from the commandment of God. And he cuts the servant of the high priest's ear off in defense of God. Right? His motives were to defend God. But Peter, just a little bit ago, Luke twenty-two thirty-one. This is right in the same discourse that he's telling him about pick up the swords and the last summer this supper this all goes together he says simon simon behold satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat but i have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and when you have turned again strengthen your brothers turned again means turned back to the lord or come to your right mind when you've repented, strengthen your brothers. But Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and death. How many of you think Peter meant that? I do. He meant it. He said, I'm willing to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you've denied me three times that you don't know me. So Peter was just told he's going to deny the Lord. And he said, no, I'll go to death with you. And I'll go to prison with you. He says, I'll fight for you. And Peter's got the sword. And he's already got Jesus questioning his loyalty and his commitment to this cause. Peter's already spent more nights with Jesus than he has his own wife and children. He's been walking the earth, spreading the gospel, paying a price, giving up his fishing business. He's given up everything for God. And God says, you're going to deny me. And this is a warrior. This is a man's man. And he's like, I will not deny you. Because in his mind, he's like, I'm not a coward. And there's nothing that's going to make me do this. And so when he, the soldiers come and the high priest comes, he takes that sword and he proves what he says. He says, I will fight for you. And he, he cuts the ear off. And the Lord tells him, stop it. And he puts the ear back on. 
Now this is the part of the story that I've, I've just kind of assumed that happened. I always thought that Peter, at this point, you know, when Jesus is carried off, that, that Peter goes and he's, he's shaken and he's troubled and he gets by a fire and people begin to recognize him and he begins to, not, to deny Christ. Now, you all are smarter than me, but that's how I thought this story went. But there's a lot more to it than that. And I began to do what I like to do, pay attention to the details in Scripture. Well, the Scripture teaches us that Peter follows Jesus closely. It says that he followed him at a distance, but close enough to keep watch on it. And then Peter follows him to the high priest's house. Caiaphas is the high priest. And they come to the house, but it says that Peter was with another disciple. But they knew the other disciple. The high priest knew the other disciple, the scripture says. And so the disciple that the high priest knew, the high priest let that disciple into the courtyard of the high priest's home. And Peter went up to the door and was trying to get in. He's trying to get into a locked compound to be with Jesus. And so he talks to the girl at the door. And the servant or the disciple that the, the high priest knew tells the servant girl, let him in. And she lets Peter in. But she's watching him like I've seen him before. And then Peter is now inside the courtyard of the home of the high priest of Caiaphas's house. And that's where they build this fire because they're cold. And the soldiers who just arrested Jesus are in the courtyard. The people that just came in the middle of night and, and have the Lord are in the courtyard and so is the Lord. The Lord's in the courtyard over in the corner and they're beating him and they're mocking him and the scripture says that they blindfold him. And they punch him in the face. And they say, prophesy to us who just punched you. If you're the king, if you're the Messiah, and you did all these wondrous works, now tell us who just punched you. Peter is in the same courtyard, sitting there watching this. And it says that the girl finally pipes up. And she goes, you are a disciple. Now I have always thought, that Peter denied Christ. This is, I'm telling you, the Lord began to deal with me. And I began to see what was really going on. That I've always just thought that Peter denied Christ to save his own hide. But the facts that are recorded in Scripture do not back that mindset. Peter watched the Lord become arrested. Could have fled. Could have ran. He didn't run. He followed the Lord. He goes up to an armored compound, stands at the door, gets his buddy to let him in, to get him in, weasels his way inside. If Peter was a coward and Peter was afraid, why would he do that? He gets inside because in Peter's mind, he's following the Lord to the end. He's going down. He told the Lord, I'll go to prison and I'll go to death with you. And he just cut a man's ear off. So I've always just assumed that he was, he was afraid for his life. But I began to read and, and put my mind into the Lord's mind and be, let him begin to show me what was going on. Peter's now in the courtyard 
and he's watching his Jesus in the corner be spit on, be punched on, be kicked, be mocked, be cru- cru- not crucified yet, but, but he's being persecuted. And he's standing there watching this. And I don't know what's going through his mind right now, but I would think any man that goes through the, the, the work to get inside an armored compound when a man is just being arrested and he knows that there is tragedy on the, on the loose and he knows that God said take a war, take a sword, that Peter's sitting there probably looking for an escape route, how he can rescue Jesus, how he can deliver Jesus. If Peter was so concerned with himself, he wouldn't have swindled his way in. He wouldn't be there. He had no reason to be there. He could have been with the other disciples. But she says, I recognize you. And his response is, you don't know me. And what he was saying is, you don't know me because he didn't want his cover blown because he was still trying to figure out a way to save the Messiah. And I've always thought he was a coward. But she says, you're one of them. Now listen to the details of the scripture. It says, a little time passes. And another man says, you're one of his disciples. And he says, man, I don't know him. Then it says that an hour goes. Now how come at that point, you've had two people call you out. If you were afraid for your life, if you were afraid of being exposed to be beaten or to be in the same situation as Jesus, how come at that moment you wouldn't get out? He didn't get out. He's been called out twice, and he stays there while his master is being beat. There is physical violence happening in this courtyard. The soldiers and and the hired hitmen are not messing around. This isn't a game. This isn't a threat. This isn't a joke. This isn't a play. This is real violence in the darkness that's going on and Peter has been warned twice and he has not left that side of Jesus. And he stands there. He says, I don't know him. And finally, another hour goes by and a third man looks up and says, aren't you one of the disciples? I know you are. And he says that Peter says, No, I'm not. No, I'm not. He denied Christ three times. And it says at that very moment that Jesus looked up and looked at him. This is the Bible. I've always thought that Peter was a ways off. He wasn't a ways off. He was right there in the courtyard while they were persecuting the Lord. So much that the scripture says that the Lord looked at him with blood, looked up at Peter because it said at the moment that he denied Christ the third time, the rooster began to crow. And Peter, it said, the Lord turned and looked at him in verse 61. And Peter remembered. Why wasn't he remembering? Because he's too busy trying to figure a way out of this with Jesus. How he could punch one man and grab him. Or how he could cause a distraction and grab him. Or how he could, how some miracle would happen. Because Jesus was always getting out of trouble. And he just knew that there was a way out of this. And he was going to stay to the very end if it cost him his life. But in the process of doing that, he was fulfilling scriptures. 
and he was denying Christ. And my wife said, but, but, but if he denied Christ, why did he weep? Because it said on the third time, he said that he remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. At that moment, it said that he got up and he went out of the courtyard and began to weep. At that moment, Peter left the side of Jesus. Because the word of God came to the mind of Peter. And Peter, you got to remember, this is the man that walked on water to Jesus. This is the man that watched Jesus feed 5,000, feed 3,000. This is the man that saw Lazarus come forth. Peter was there from day one. And all of a sudden, the word of God came to his mind. And he knew that when Jesus said something, it was true no matter what. And that word that you would deny me three times, what it was, was telling Peter that no matter how bad we try to fight the will of God, it still comes to pass. That no matter how bad we desire the events to change, if they're ordained from the throne, it will still come to pass. In Peter's right thinking, in his, in his mind, in his right attitude, he was sinning. I'm going to tell you what the word of the Lord spoke to me. He said, do you know how many people are letting up? And those that are letting up are trying to stay close enough to keep one eye on me while the entire time denying me. That's what's happening in the Christian world today. That everybody wants to stand close enough to the Lord and say, I can see you, God. But the whole time, they're denying Him. Being close to the Lord does not mean that we are obeying the Lord. In Peter's heart and mind, he wasn't denying Christ because he was ashamed. But he was denying Christ because he was trying to change the outcome. He was trying to thwart the plan that God had set in motion since the time of the garden. Peter, no matter how good your intentions are, you were not going to stop Calvary. No matter how bad you wanted to save your Lord, no matter how bad you wanted to rescue Jesus while he was being built, you weren't going to stop the blood from flowing on the cross. Sometimes you can have good intentions, but they're against the will of God. Because sometimes tragedies are the will of God. You say, how can that be? God allowed a man to be born blind from birth for 40 years of his life. That's a tragedy according to parents. Just talk to a mom and dad of special needs. They'll tell you about it. It's a tragedy. But when he said none had sinned, but this man was born this way for the glory of the Lord. Peter was trying to do his best. He was trying to fight for the Lord in his own way. The problem was God had not told him to rescue him. He, when God said, take a sword, 
Peter's mindset was it was time to fight. But the lesson that God was trying to tell his disciples is that there is soon coming a day when I won't be with you and you're going to need money to put food on your table and you're going to need to defend your family because I won't be beside you to do it. He wasn't saying defend me. He was saying get ready to take care of you and your house. But Peter didn't know the difference. And so he fought to save God. But when he was fighting, he realized he was fighting God's battle. And nobody fights God's battle. Uzzah put his hand on the ark because the ark was going to fall to the ground. And he thought he would just save the embarrassment of King David. And he thought he would save the embarrassment of the nation of Israel. And God took his life because there is no man that can stop the will of God. He had really good intentions. He wasn't trying to do wrong to stop the ark from falling off the cart. But there are some lines that cannot be crossed. And in our day and society, there are some lines that cannot be crossed. But there are a lot of people that still want to dance in the Spirit, still speak in tongues, but they don't want to walk in the holiness of God. They want to keep one eye on God while they worship, but they're denying His righteousness while they're doing it. They want to look at Jesus when they sing their songs, but they want to deny the separation that comes with it. They want to look at Him with their eyes while they worship and they sing and they dance, but they deny the consecration of the cross. Look at the things we've been going through. Look at the things this world's been facing. There's a lot of people who have turned an eye to the Lord. Listen, it doesn't take an apostolic Pentecostal to see that God's allowing this world to fall apart. If you think we're the only ones with some great revelation on this, we're kidding ourselves. A lot of people that are looking to God right now. And they're trying to say, Lord, we worship you, Lord, we praise you. But God's saying, and why aren't you following me in all areas? Because love and worship is what you require. The scripture, I desire obedience more than sacrifice, is often not preached. What God desired from Peter was obedience at that point, not sacrifice. God didn't ask Peter to come into that courtyard and try and bail him out. Peter got himself in trouble. Jesus, there's no place in Scripture that Jesus commanded Peter to follow him into that courtyard and try and rescue him. Jesus just told him that Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. And God told Peter, he said, when you turn back, go and strengthen your brothers. Peter began to understand that he should have been with his brothers all along praying for them and strengthening them instead of 
trying to fight God's battle. Folks, we cannot fight the Lord's battle in this day and age. I talked about it in Sunday school Sunday. If you weren't here, you missed out. It's not our job to fight God's battle. That is not our job. But it is our job to strengthen one another and to pray for one another and to encourage one another. It took one look from God to bring back one memory in Peter. One look. God looked up with blood running down his face, being beaten, and Peter remembered. He remembered what God had told him. I wonder if there's anybody that we've been following God. We've been, we've been close enough so we can see Him. We've been just close enough so we can watch Him. But the entire time we're walking, following Him and looking at Him and being close enough, we've still been denying Him. Every one of us is in a different place. Every one of us fights different battles. You might not be addicted to certain things that maybe I am, and I might not be addicted to certain things maybe you are. All of us have different temptations. But are we looking at Christ on Wednesday night and denying Him Thursday at work? Do we watch God on Sunday and deny Him on Monday? I want to follow God every minute of the day. The Lord's going to bring judgment and things on this earth. You're already seeing it. There's been earthquakes, there's been tsunamis. There's been murders, there's been violence, there's been fires, there's been dust storms, there's been digital attacks, hacks, identity theft, pandemics, political wars, financial sabotage, hurricanes. Pastor Arnold in Key West said he's worried that the water level is rising around his house. You talk to the liberals, you know, it's global warming. The ice cap's melting. You talk to the Lord, it's the judgment of sin and the coming of events. What I'm saying is we can go to try to fight global warming but yet it's the plan of the judgment of God to come on this earth. We need to do less fighting and more praying. We need to do less watching and more obeying. Preached a message many years ago that we need to become a participator, not a spectator. So if the musicians would come, 
if you would all stand. I want each of you to know that God is looking your way tonight. He's looking right at me. He's looking right at you. And the persecution of the Lord is already in this world. They think it's a mockery to be a Christian. They think it's a joke to believe in the things we believe in. They think we're delusional. Some of them think we're filled with the devil when we speak in other tongues. They think we serve hell instead of heaven. So the Lord is being persecuted right now in this earth. And those that bear his name, if you believe in the scripture, we too will be persecuted. We too may face the fire. But Larry, I heard you preached about the Hebrew children being tossed into the fire. We too may be tossed into the fire. But we can't fight those things. We can't fight those things. That's the Lord's fight. But what we can do is begin to pray and say, Lord, search me. Search my heart. Search my mind. Search my lifestyle. God, I want to be obedient in my mind. I want my thoughts to be in obedience. I want my mouth to be in obedience. I want the imaginations and the desires of my heart to be in obedience. It's a lot of smart guys that think they're studying the scripture and their eye is on coming events and they can quote scripture and they can debate scripture. But yet they deny Christ and they don't even come to church. We've got to do more than just watch God. We've got to obey and believe in God and follow God with all our heart in every area. Because as this world wraps up, as this world is wrapping up, he said, pray that you might be strengthened to make it. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that your strength would be upon every individual in this house tonight. God, for we know you're coming quickly. Your word says so. Lord, we know that the signs of the times are all around us. But God, I don't want to get caught up in political wars, political debates. I don't want to get caught up in the affairs of this world, the affairs of this life. God, I don't want to have one eye looking at you while the other's denying you. Lord, search my heart, oh God. Create within me a clean heart. Renew within me a right spirit, Lord. If there is any sin within me, I repent in the name of Jesus. Lord, I plead the blood on Calvary. Lord, I plead mercy. I plead grace. I plead compassion, God. I plead your long-suffering. Oh, Lord. 
these altars for anybody that would like to come.